Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Hey, Teresa. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> you literally just took a sip of your coffee, didn't you? I did. We don't, we don't usually record this early in the morning, so I think no, we're, we don't. we're both being fueled by coffee right now. Definitely. Yes, so we're our first official recording of 2019, so Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. We're six days into the new year as, as this recording is happening. Mm -hmm. And many people are calling this the year of Star Wars, 2019. It kind of feels like it's going to be, and it's a little overwhelming, and I feel a little bit pressured. <laughs> it's like, I feel like last year, Star Wars wasn't as important, you know? So it was like, oh, I can breathe. And then the new year started, and I'm like, I'm suffocating under the pressure of Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, we had Solo last year, but we didn't have, like, the the December movie that we were used to having for the past few years. No. So it kind of felt weird. Well, Star Wars was just... It wasn't as it wasn't as big last year, and I mean, yeah, we had Solo, but come on, it wasn't that big. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, as much as we liked the movie, it, that, yeah. yeah, and I really did. It just wasn't, and there weren't as many releases, you know, as far as books and everything go. Like, it just wasn't. It wasn't a huge Star Wars year. It was a more quiet year. I mean, we had Resistance and the Lego All Stars show came out, and that was some fun stuff to watch. But definitely, 2019 has some much bigger projects coming oh yeah definitely so yeah big time yeah we have what clone wars is coming back for another season which is something that what we were super excited to hear which i think yeah, everyone is super surprised about yeah we all were um but i think the biggest thing is a lot of these things that we're saying are for 2019 that's pending the disney plus streaming service actually starts in 2019 <laughs> Like they're saying it will. So yeah. I guess, yeah, if I it think doesn't, then we don't have to worry about any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's kind of like if all goes according to plan, then mm -hmm. these things will happen. I guess even something like Galaxy's Edge has the potential of not, you know, the one, especially the one in Florida, since they're not opening it till the fall. Um, you know, there's always the possibility that that gets delayed into early 2020. Oh, slash winter. Yeah. So. But pending pending any major changes to the plan, um, all of this stuff should happen in 2019. And we have episode nine coming, which is the end Definitely. of that trilogy, which is huge. It's which, a big deal. Yeah, so I think we'll start to see like trailers for that, and probably some, you know, images of characters coming out, and posters, and the title of the movie. We don't even know the title of the movie yet. I don't think we're gonna get any of that info until Star Wars Celebration. To be honest, I don't think we'll see a trailer. I don't think we'll see artwork or a title until Celebration. I think I agree with you on most of that. I, I definitely think the trailer will drop at Celebration, but I think we'll get a title before then. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll see who will be just, right. Just going by you know past movies and kind of about when they release the title in relation to other stuff. Usually the title drops first, so I think I think we'll get it like before my birthday. February. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> I just feel like episode nine can stand on its own with just being episode nine. And like everybody knows what everybody's talking about. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. So we have the Mandalorian. And then like you said, Clone Wars. Uh, big one. Star Wars Celebration. So here's the thing. Does Do we get the title before your birthday? Before my birthday? Right. Which is in March. Or at Celebration, which is in April. <laughs> Yeah, right. We have three like, big events coming up. Yeah. <laughs> which which one will will get the title? I'm thinking if definitely I... maybe by my birthday, definitely by your birthday, and then celebration we get the trailer. Okay. All right. So, then Galaxy's Edge at the Disney theme parks, which I know there's been a lot of new news and info that I have not paid any attention to, but I know that it is out there. Uh, but in Disneyland, it's supposed to open in the summer, and in Disney World, it's supposed to be in the fall slash winter. I have heard a rumor, I don't know if this is going to be true or not, that uh, the one in Florida 
is going to open around Christmas time. Which would be insane. And if, and if that's true, Christmas time is the busiest time for Disney World. It's just insane. And if that's true, I there's no way you're going to catch me at Disney World in Florida for Galaxy's Edge until sometime in 2020, like the summer of 2020. I'm going to wait for that business. Yeah, I, it it is going to be in, insane, and it will be interesting to see how they handle the crowds and if they have some sort of system where they only allow in a certain amount of people at a time, or do they do some sort of fast pass for the they'll, entire area? Well, like, Yeah, they'll probably do it similar to how they did uh, Toy Story and um, Avatar. You know, which seemed to work relatively well, but I feel like Star Wars is going to be a more massive undertaking than either of those two. Yeah. So that's probably going to have to be a little bit different, but I'm actually okay. Like, I don't need to be there opening day, and I'll tell you why. I experienced two opening days at theme parks before, and okay. they were both actually at uh, Universal Studios. So I did opening day of the of Harry Potter at Universal in Florida, in Florida. So the first part of Harry Potter, which was um, Hogsmeade, you know, like the first part, right? which is the Hogsmeade area and with the castle and stuff like that. It was so bad that we didn't even get in. We were there, we were in line and we were in line for hours and we'd never ever got in. That's how bad that one was. Uh, and then I was at the opening day for Diagon Alley for the second part of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Florida. Only me and my best friend Lee got there so stinking early. We were in the first group that got in because we were both like, we're getting in. So we had a sleepover and we got there. I don't even remember what time we got there. Uh, and we did get in. But it was like, once you get in, do not leave because you will never get in again. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of don't have any desire to do it. I've done it for Harry Potter. I don't feel like I need to do it for Star Wars. I'm getting older. I don't think I have the energy. Yeah. It's too hard. It's too hard. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to try to do an opening of either coast. And I know, I mean, there's a possibility, but I think, you know, I know with Pixar Pier, they did some kind of preview night. Maybe I'd do something like that. Uh, if they had the opportunity, you know, if they sold tickets for just like a, you know, four hour, you know, you get to go through and ride the rides. But I'm sure. Yeah, that would well, be a lot expensive. of times, a lot of times those they don't sell tickets to. It's for the annual pass holders and DVC members and things like that. So luckily, I actually have both of those things. So if I can uh, swing a pass holder preview or a DVC member preview for galaxy's edge in florida then i'll do that because that's a totally different situation right uh that's regulated controlled uh so i would do that but if it's just like the massive crowds no thanks well the good thing is it's it's going to be there so even if we don't end up going opening yeah it's or even if we don't make it into in 2019 you know it's going to be there and i think it's literally not going anywhere. yeah it's not going anywhere and it's only <laughs> going to get, get better yeah exactly, exactly. So I think <laughs> I'm hoping to, to get there at some point during 2019, but if it doesn't happen, you know, obviously we, we both go to Disney enough that we're going to see this place a lot. Mm. So there's a, let's see. So there's also a new ILM X lab virtual reality experience that's coming around Darth Vader. Oh yeah. Forgot about that one. Cool. Vader. Immortal. Uh, a Mm -hmm. A new video game called Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Resistance will be getting its season finale. Let's see. And then we have some comic stuff. Uh, Vader Dark Visions is coming. Obi-Wan. It's that Age of the Republic series, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of yeah. a lot of characters they're covering for Age of the Republic. Um... Jango Fett... Obi-Wan. Okay, and then there's the Age of Republic special that has a really cool I love this artwork by the way, just because it's got it's got Rex, Jar Jar, Mace, and um Ventress on the front. <laughs> and like old Ventress, like before she gets her cool like purple 
pants and stuff. It's like her dress outfit that she's wearing. And then it looks like Anakin has a comic coming. There's a lot. Yeah, a Do-do. lot of books and comic stuff. Ooh, Padme. What? I didn't know about that one. And it says it's a trap. <laughs> it is a trap because it's Padme. And I'll get sucked into it. And the artwork is really good for that. How did I not know about some of these? Grievous. This is fun. This is like it's like Christmas right now. Going yeah, through. there's well the Age of the Republic stuff and and these comics that they're doing for the different eras are have already started dropping. So I think I think uh, Mauls is already out and Qui Gon's is already out. So we should definitely start reading these and maybe oh. we could do some reviews because they're just one shot. So it's not like we have to wait for the trade you know to come what? out. I haven't gotten out of the house this weekend. It looks like I need to go to the comic book store. <laughs> <laughs> and then. I'm excited about this book. This is probably, out of all of the books that are coming, I think this one is the one that I am the most excited for, which is Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston, uh, which is going to be all about Queen Amidala. And I just, oh my goodness. I can't wait. I'm excited. The artwork is just amazing on the front cover. It shows like half Queen, half Padme. It's awesome. But I know this next one you're excited for. I think this is the one you're most excited for. Which one? Is it Master and Apprentice? Yes. Yeah. Claudia Gray. And yep. I, but I'm also excited for this. I'm like equally excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Claudia Gray. It's going to be good. I know. And this is a story she's been wanting to tell. She, she's been talking about writing a Qui-Gon story for a while. So I think uh, her heart and soul will be in this book. Yes. Yes. Now... I'm skipping over Thrawn because we have some other info about Thrawn. And then it looks like we have the Industrial Light and Magic Presents the Making of Solo, which will be kind of cool. Usually you love those books. Yes, making of books are good. And that's a movie that there's a lot. It'll be interesting to see how much detail they get in because I feel like with the, you know, kind of firing of directors and bringing on a new director and and kind of all the behind the scenes things that didn't go so smoothly, if they'll get into any of that or if they'll just kind of like, Let's not talk about that yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, you and I are going to be reviewing Flight of the Falcon series here on the show. And we do have one to do, which is Lando's Luck. We haven't done it yet, but that is coming. But there is another one that people are talking about because it's got Hondo in it, which is Pirate's Price. So, And they did an, an excerpt, but I'm sure you've read this, but you know I don't read those. Excerpts, but I'm just yeah. excited. Yeah, I'm excited about about well all of the Flight of the Falcon series, but this one because of Honda. Yeah, and Lando's luck. Um, I actually just read that because we are preparing to talk about that on the show, and they do this kind of interesting way of telling the story where it's told through like Bazine, like that character. Oh, who, Bazine is all. Yeah, they they do it from kind of her perspective because she's trying to find the Falcon. And so she's talking to people, and then people are relaying stories to her about the Falcon. Uh, So I guess in the second book um, that has Hondo, Hondo's the one that's telling the story. So I think that'll be really interesting. And they actually had, like you were saying, there's an excerpt on StarWars.com, but there's there's a couple, there's like a little intro here. So I don't mind. I don't know if you mind if I read it real quick. Mm. Might give might give people. It's not it's not an excerpt. It's just a. It's kind Uh, of like a summary. Um, give people an idea and if people want to see the full excerpt they can go to starwars.com but it says no one weaves a tale quite like the greatest pirate in the galaxy hondo anaka the self-declared hero and incorrigible schemer has captured jedi led rowdy weke pirate gangs and traveled from one end of the galaxy to the other in search of riches and fame in his newest adventure star wars pirates price a new book by lou anders and illustrated by annie Wu as part of the flight of the falcon series Hondo is back in the spotlight, and what else? Talking about or talking his way out of things, regaling feared bounty hunter Bazine Natal with stories of his heroic deeds aboard the famed Millennium Falcon. That's really cool. Ah, uh, the Flight of the Falcon series is so great. And this is going to be happening like on Batu. Love that planet name, <laughs> um, which you know obviously ties in with Galaxy's Edge and all of that. So they're they're making a purposeful. Uh, tie-in with a lot of these books now um, and even Lando's Luck had her on Batu as well so I think that I can't be... get over it why couldn't they have picked a better planet name that didn't make me giggle every time like an immature child 
<laughs> you could say it like, uh, since it has two U's, you could be like batu. No, that doesn't make it. That doesn't make it any better. It doesn't. So yeah. I know you're trying. Thanks not, for trying. Uh, it didn't work. It's not going to change. <laughs> we could just say Galaxy's Edge. Just don't ever call it Batu. All right. Well, one of the other cool things we got, and it was back in December, but it was a first look at Thrawn's Treason by Timothy Zahn, which is the third in the trilogy of the Thrawn books. And the thing I'm most excited about this. Yeah, but you know what I'm so excited about for this? The return of Eli Vanto. This (laughs) is like everything I've ever hoped for. Yeah, they and this is on StarWars.com as well. They did kind of an exclusive announcement where they, they do give us the kind of summary for this book too. So do you want to read that one? No, go ahead. Oh, you want me to read it? Okay. Um, all right, so it says, Set in the time of the Empire, here's the official description of for the new novel. Grand Admiral Thrawn faces the ultimate test of his loyalty to the Empire in this epic Star Wars novel from best-selling author Timothy Zahn. If I were to serve the Empire, you would command my allegiance. I can't do a, a Thrawn uh, imitation, so I'm not going to even try. Okay, where are we at? So, such was the promise. Or do you want to do a Thrawn imitation? Wait, where where is this? <laughs> it's right below what the big image reading? of on StarWars.com. The, the I know, I'm reading, I'm looking at it, but where? Just below the image, and then you see in bold. Oh, okay. And then there's the quote right below that. That's what I was, I was that's a Thrawn quote. Oh, we'll just say it with some sort of gravitas. No, I can't even try. Okay, okay. well, I'm you not going to do a Thrawn imitation. I'm just going to say it. All right, you do the quote. If I were to serve the Empire, you would command my allegiance. You got to do like this slow journey. Keep going. I can't do I'm not doing a Thrawn imitation. If I was I just were to serve the, the Empire. That's pretty good, actually. You would command my allegiance. That's pretty good. You I should s- put that in the stuff at the end. <laughs> I'm just leaving all this in. Oh, God. Uh, such was the uh, promise Grand Admiral Thrawn made to Emperor Palpatine at their first meeting. Since then, Thrawn has been one of the Empire's most effective instruments, pursuing its enemies in the very to the very edges of the known galaxy. But as keen a weapon as Thrawn has become, the Emperor dreams of something far more destructive. Now... <laughs> As Thrawn's TIE Defender program is halted in favor of Director Krennic's secret Death Star project, he realizes that the balance of power in the Empire is measured by more than just military acumen or tactical efficiency. Some big words. Even the greatest intellect can hardly compete with the power to annihilate entire planets. As Thrawn works to secure his place in the Imperial hierarchy, his former protege, Eli Vanto, returns... With a dire warning about Thrawn's homeworld. Thrawn's mastery of strategy must guide him through an impossible choice. Duty to the Chiss ascendancy or fealty to the Empire he has sworn to serve, even if the right choice means committing treason. He's going to have to go to the Chiss ascendancy, man. Just go. Go and live, Thrawn. Go and live. <laughs> so uh, we've reviewed the first two books, and I know, like, I, I mean, overall, we like the books, but we had, you know, we're kind of like, oh, you know, it's not our favorite thing. And I know I was a little bit more critical of some of the the devices and how they, they told the story. But I am. Shot to head. Yeah. Shot. <laughs> Double vision. Double uh, vision. But I'm excited. I am excited for this one. I, I like that it's Don't become think. a trilogy. And I like Eli Vantos coming back. And I'm more excited to learn more about the Chiss Ascendancy and kind of what that big threat is to them. So, um, yeah. Yes, this I definitely care more about what's going to be in this story. The same mm-hmm. things you said. Yeah. Eli Vanto, Chiss Ascendancy. You had me at Eli Vanto. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then and then Chiss Ascendancy was just icing on the cake. There you go. So, yeah. So, we're both excited for this one. We are. So, on this particular episode, we are actually covering Star Wars Women of the Galaxy by Amy Ratcliffe. I'm really excited to get to talk about this This is one of the books that I was so happy that came out last year, and we're finally getting a chance to talk about it. So, hooray. Uh, Let's see. Publisher is Chronicle Books. It was written by Amy Ratcliffe. There are a lot of different artists, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And the release date was October 30th, 2018. The publisher summary. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, definitely. Okay. The publisher summary is as follows. There are heroes and villains, Sith and Jedi, 
senators and scoundrels, mothers, mercenaries, artists, pilots. The women of the Star Wars galaxy drive its stories and saga forward at every level. This beautifully illustrated, fully authorized book profiles 75 fascinating female characters from across films, fiction, comics, animation, and games. Featuring Leia Organa, Rey, Ahsoka Tano, Aiden Versio, Jen Urso, Rose Tico, Maz Kanata, and many more. Each character is, is explored through key story beats, fresh insights, and behind-the-scenes details by author Amy Ratcliffe. Also showcasing more than 100 all-new illustrations by a dynamic range of female and non-binary artists, here is an inspiring celebration of the characters that help create a galaxy far, far away. Oh, yay. <laughs> yes, this is a... I'm so... Can you tell? Like, it almost made me cry. <laughs> this is a really good book. Like, I I started, like, just prepping for the recording of this episode and planned to just kind of read a handful of the entries and ended up reading half of the book in one sitting just because it was so well-written. And the art is just so good. So, yeah, this is... You know, this is definitely a favorite uh, recent book that's come out. This is a must-have book. I will say that. I mean, I realize it's not a novel, but everyone needs this book because just the fact that she was able to scrounge together 75 female characters blows my mind. It, And I know, like, we don't really talk about this a whole lot, Erin, but some of these characters are just so small because they're background characters or whatever. And it's really cool to be able to give them a chance to have their own art and their own page. And just, and again, like you said, the art is fantastic. And also the fact that our friend Amy got to write it makes it even better. Yeah. And I'm, my praise for this book is, is completely sincere too. Like, even though we're friends with Amy, this, like this book really has impressed me. And I, I love the style of how it's um how it's presented because it's kind of like mm-hmm. it's not just a in-universe like hey here's a biography of each of these characters she actually talks about it from an in-universe and out of universe uh, perspective so she talks about the character and the character's story but then relates it to uh real world stuff like who who is the voice actor that played this character and like quotes from that person or the writer that you know included this character in a novel so i I really like kind of that blending and would love for there to be more books like this in Star Wars. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And we're going to get into this book and into some of the characters and the artwork as well. But we also want to let you guys know that we will be having another episode this month and it will actually be an interview with Amy to talk about this particular book. And we are so excited for that too. So be looking for that later on this month. Okay, so let's kind of jump into this uh i guess like the first thing though let's kind of talk about how it's set up so there is a table of contents so if you want to just flip through like the different women and pick the ones that you want to read and just read a couple at a time you are absolutely able to do that because of the table of contents but uh, i want to talk about just the page at the very front we didn't write this down erin but it just very simply says for carrie fisher and it just like, oh, because the, we just had what the anniversary of her passing, but I just like that they did that. Yeah, it's very fitting to have, you know, kind of that dedication at the front because she is the original woman of Star Wars. You know, she from right. the first movie, you know, she is that central female character that everyone really fell in love with. So. And then and then the foreword for this book is actually written by Kathleen Kennedy, which I also really liked that they included her and that they not only included women in the galaxy, but you know, the woman that's actually in charge of the galaxy. (laughs) God makes sense. And then there's the introduction that Amy wrote. I'm going to let you talk a little bit about this one. Yeah. The the introduction, she, she really, you know, cause we've both known Amy kind of in fandom for years, for a long time. And, um, you know, kind of seeing her talk about, what got her into Star Wars. And um, she specifically really points out Ahsoka as a character that really, that she really relates to and kind of inspires her. And she even credits uh, that character as getting her in, you know, finding her, you know, passion for writing. 
and, you know, kind of leading to different points in her career and, and things like that. So um, it's a really good introdu- introduction. I know like with books like this, a lot of times people, you kind of skip over the the forward, you skip over the introduction, just get into the meat of the book. But I would definitely recommend reading both the forward and the introduction, you know, the Kathleen Kennedy forward and this introduction from Amy, because you really get an insight into Amy's perspective and, and kind of ha- why uh, some of these characters inspire her. Yeah, I want to read just this one little paragraph, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay, this is from Amy's introduction. She says, I connect with Ahsoka the most, but she is far from the only Star Wars character who moves me. When I need courage, I'm bolstered by Leia's no-nonsense attitude and optimism. When I need to speak so people will listen, I'm energized by Padme's intelligence and commanding presence. When I need to find light in a dark situation, I'm encouraged by Rey's unflinching kindness and deep strength. And I think it's so important that they had someone like Amy write this book because these characters mean so much to her and you can feel it in the way that she writes and the things that she says. Yeah, definitely. And it's, def- it's it, like I was saying before, it's really just the writing of the book is so well done that it, I, I don't typically, I, I like to read, but I'm not one to sit down and read half of a book in one sitting. And this is a book that I did because of just how well it was done. Okay. Sorry. I just have to keep reading. (laughs) Okay. So she continues to say, With Women of the Galaxy, I want to highlight the accomplishments of female characters in Star Wars. I want to share the actions that make me hold a character in awe and excitedly text a friend. Can you believe she did that? But also to talk about the quieter moments that help us relate to them. I want to emphasize how everyone makes a difference, whether she's an Imperial officer, a rebel hero, a diplomat, or a mother. We're all part of the story, and we all deserve to have our story told. Fictional characters have the power to influence us, to push us into action, to give us constants in a world full of variables. It's why stories are never just stories. I hope you will find inspiration in these characters and in this book. That's so true, and I'm going to (laughs) cry. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's oh, so Amy, much cool, dang it. <laughs> this, how this book is laid out with the, you know, kind of an image that introduces a character and then the, the design with kind of the big uh, font for the name and then the arabesque and the quote, like it's just really, it flows really well. As Aaron was saying, the layout, you have a full page of artwork, which is amazing because the artwork in this book is just stunning. So you have a full page of artwork, you have a big header for the name and like a really cool font. And then you either get a quote that the character said, or you get sort of a summary of who the character is. But one of the things that I really like is that she included the Arabesh spelling for each of the names, which I think is just so neat because we don't see that enough. We see Arabesh in places, but we're always trying to figure out what it says. <laughs> so at least right here, we know that that's like, oh, that's Ayla Secura. And you can see the A's, like A-A-A-A. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you know that that letter's an A. Uh, so this could help you learn your Arabesh. Yes, yes. If you're trying to become fluent in Arabesh, this book is definitely helpful. <laughs> And then she goes into, as Aaron was saying, sort of a combination of in-universe and out-of-universe information. And some of the characters have more pages than others, probably based on like how prominent they were and how much information that she had. And then you typically have at least two pieces of art per character, which I think is really neat. So like for the first character in the book, which is Ayla Secura, you actually do have two. Uh, and you have like a really big quote from her as well. And I don't know. I just, Ayla Secure is one of my favorite characters. And so this first piece of art for her is probably my favorite. Like I wish I could buy this artwork. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I, mean, I think some... some of it is, but some of it is stuff that's been out before that you could get, but I'm curious. I think most, if not all of it's original art to this book. Um, hmm. And I, th- okay. I think this is some of the best artwork we've seen, some best representations of these characters that I've ever seen. And I, I'm with you. I would love to have this artwork um, with the ability to display it. I'm almost tempted to buy a second copy of the book. To know, cut it out? Yeah, because some of these, some of this is, it's full page art. Not all of them are, but most of them are full page. So you could, you know, carefully cut it out of the book and then, you know, have like a full page that you could frame. 
Um, I'm not opposed to doing that either. Thank you for suggesting that. <laughs> so you would just need to, I would think you'd want to get a second copy so you're not kind of like destroying oh, no, no. A, a book off yeah. your bookshelf. But I've done Definitely that with past art of Star Wars books where I buy a second copy and, and I've cut some artwork out of it and used it to you display. You definitely could with an X-Acto knife, like to cut mm -hmm. the binding. You totally could do that. Oh, Ooh, yeah. such a good idea. Oh, I could make a collage. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Arts and Crafts Project. Do like a nine <laughs> picture collage or something. Pick out yeah, your favorite or, nine. Or even more than that, because you can overlap them and stuff with Mod Podge. Don't even get me started, because there is <laughs> an idea that is brewing in my little crafty brain. <laughs> we'll have to check in with you in a couple months and, and see the progress of your project. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into some of these characters. I know. We want to talk, we're going to talk a little bit more about the artists later on and who they were, but first we need to talk about some of the characters that are in here, specifically from novels and stuff. So it's character art for characters we've never actually seen before for a lot of them. Yeah, I think, you know, us having covered a lot of these books and comics and some of these names may be new to other people that, you know, are only familiar with the, the movies. But for, for us, some of these names are exciting to see. And I know s some of these characters, you know, obviously someone like a Dr. Aphra um, or a Von Verlaine, we've seen artwork of them in comics. But like people like Nora Wexley and uh, Kirsta Agate, like I think I'm trying to think there's a handful of others, too. But it's literally the first time they've had official artwork. So it's the first time we're kind of seeing what that character looks like outside of our own imaginations and yeah it's really exciting so, oh it is so as we go through these we'll kind of tell a little bit about who they are because uh, some people may not one remember the names like me sometimes i don't remember everybody's name uh or they've never heard of them before yeah i mean there's a, a decent list of characters from either books or comics but we can kind of go down and and i'm hopefully i can remember myself <laughs> who some of these characters are but um you know kirsta agate was a character who showed up in the Aftermath novels and ended up being, mm -hmm. um, you know, she's a Republic uh, or part of the the New Republic and actually was the one that used the tractor beam to pull down a Star Destroyer that ended up in the sands of, of, um, of man, I'm blanking on the planet name. Jakku. Jakku, yes, so on the Battle of Jakku. Uh, so we see that we know those visuals from... The Force Awakens and the, the Crash Star Destroyers, but this is the story of kind of how it happened, and, and her character actually gets uh, an entry in this book, which was really cool. Uh, Nora Wexley, we all know from Aftermath, uh, also gets an entry. Durla um, Pidis, or Pidis, I don't know exactly how to pronounce her name, but she actually shows up in The, in the Last Jedi, so she's technically a movie character, but very much a background character. And she was a major yeah, she's focus in Canto Bite, right? In the Canto Bite book with the the story about the wine. Um Sienna Ray from Lost Stars was Oh, don't you skip over her. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> you know, was, we've seen artwork of her before, but um it's definitely cool to see her included and I'm still holding out hope for a sequel to that book. Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah, and the nice thing about this artwork is that it's almost more detailed the one of the things i really like about it too is it has an x-wing and a tie fighter because that's just so fitting for the lost star story and then i like the quote that they used for her which is everything i fought for is a lie yes yeah so heartbreaking yeah God, that's such a good book. book yeah we need to reread <laughs> yeah so dr afra she has let's say one two she's got about four pages of two pages of artwork, which is really good, and uh, two pages of text for her. But she's got plenty of content to be able to cover all that, so that's pretty neat. Yeah, she's kind of like a she's one of those comic characters that has um, kind of transcended, transcended, yeah, beyond just the comic page and become a bit of a phenomenon, almost the way in a way that that Mary Jade did in the kind of the old novels. Um, mm -hmm. where she's she's known outside of just comic book readers. Um, another character was Trios, who was in the Darth Vader comics. So we get... Her you know, artwork's pretty cool, because you've got Vader in the background. Yes. And she's kind of giving him the side eye. <laughs> Avon Verlaine from the Leia comics and also shows up in the Aftermath. 
Um, it gets an entry. A very chalice from the Battlefront novel gets an entry. Sana Staros she from the comics. Different. She oh. looks different to me than I had. Than I had thought, you know. Chalice. Which, yeah, which is so it's totally fine, completely fine. Uh, it's just funny when you see these and you're like, oh. Okay. She actually, I agree with you. She completely looks different than what I had imagined her. Usually, like, the way they describe someone in a book, you can get kind of close in your brain. But for this one, I was like, oh, not at all what I was expecting. <laughs> now, Sana's art is awesome. My gosh. It's so good. Yeah. Which, she's a character we, we have obviously had a ton of, you know, we, we know exactly what she looks like because she's been in so many issues of the comics. Um, but also, another character, I think, that's that's really popular um, even kind of outside of the comic fans. Mm-hmm. Um, Lena Graff, which is a, a character that we have not covered her books, The uh, Adventures in Wild Space. Uh, but, but um, you know, probably, a, probably those books are ones that I want to pick up eventually. But she's probably the one I knew the least about when I read through this book. Yeah, but she's got a... Oh, what's that character's... A salacious crumb on her head. I don't know what oh, that. Yeah. monkey is. lizard. There we go. Yep. Yep. But she's got a salacious crumb on her head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jazz Amari from the yep. from the um, aftermath novels. Iden Versio is another huge character. Oh gosh. Okay. Speaking of Iden, uh, since we're we're on her right now, I'm trying to find her page though really quick. There is a Lego set featuring Iden Versio that just came out. It's a battle pack. Yes. And I need to get that purely because of the fact that Iden is in there. And Bria, if you're listening, I know you already got it. But just so you know, when I saw that it was coming out, I was going to buy you one. But then you had to go and get your own. Of so you can't did. have it. <laughs> I think she said she got multiple <laughs> copies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because she wants to make, uh, she wants to learn the art of custom Lego minifigures, so that she can make herself. Oh but, yeah. But I had thought about getting her that set, but now I don't have to. Unless you want one, Bria. Unless you want another one, let me know. I'll get you one. <laughs> she might need an extra one if she needs to practice for customing. Yeah. So just hit me up. I had heard, though, I was kind of wondering because all the other characters from Inferno Squad are in the set as well, but they're all helmeted. Yes. And so I was yes. kind of wondering if um, once you took their helmets off, if they would kind of look like the characters they're supposed to represent. But I hear that they don't, that they're oh, all very well, bland. So, so I wouldn't know simply because of the fact, well, I guess I could get on the Internet, but I'm not allowed to buy them yet. So as soon as I'm allowed to get them, I can send you some pictures. Uh but yeah, I, I don't think they do. They're probably just generic. But you could always custom them. Oh yeah, yeah. I People think... do that all the time. I don't know how, but they do it. Yeah. Or you could yeah you could find other minifigs with faces that look closer to the characters. Oh, you could do that. Yeah, you could visit your local. Well, not the Bam Bar because that's they're all yellow. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to go hunting <laughs> for faces. So good luck, Bria, with the customing. Good luck, Bria. Um. And then Ray Sloan is another big character who's yes, shown up across a lot of media. And then uh, Vi Marathi mm-hmm. from the Phasma novel. So a lot of representation in this book for characters that originally appeared first in a book or a novel, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you were talking about representation, but there's also, it's it's really interesting to see them all together in a book because there's a lot of different racial representation too mm-hmm. and you don't get that as much when you're just reading a novel and there's no artwork to go with the pictures to be able to see to actually see them and so as you're flipping through and you're seeing like all the different like skin tones and everything it's just like wow yes yeah <laughs> really awesome and the novels are doing such a great job of incorporating that representation and now we actually get to see it which mm-hmm. i think is really cool yeah all right, and then you pointed this out, and I had completely missed this, so thank you for pointing it out. But we get to see artwork of Phasma and Amal and Holdo when they're young, which we get to read about them, and we really enjoyed reading about them, but we actually haven't seen 
what they looked like. Which yeah. I think is really cool. So I was starting with Phasma, so I was flipping to her page. But Phasma has some awesome, awesome artwork. And she's got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six pages devoted to her between art and text. And you get to see on the last one a representation of what she looks like on her home planet. Yes, which we we read the Phasma novel and, and actually really enjoyed it. And she comes from kind of a history that was a, a bit unexpected. You know, mm-hmm. she comes from this war-torn planet and almost this very tribal type of um, background. And this image really represents that well. And we didn't, even with the release of the Phasma novel, and they did release some some artwork around the novel, but we never got to see um, Phasma with her mask off. In fact, we never, even, this is actually, I think, the first image in, in Star Wars where we get to see Phasma an official uh, image of Phasma without her mask. And that's kind of a big deal because we got to see kind of the side of her, or we got to see her eye in The Last Jedi when her, when her mask got broken. But we never got to see her completely unmasked. So the artwork for this, though, is really neat because when you read the Phasma book, they talk about, like, the masks that they used to wear and, like, kind of how they made them. And you get to see a representation of that and then also of the weapon that she used to use. And I just remember them talking about all that stuff really in depth and in detail and like their outfits on her home planet. And that is completely represented here, which I think is really neat. Yeah. All right. And so then the next one where we get to see a young character that you and I both really liked because we love the Leia novel. (laughs) Uh, Amalyn Holdo. And so the first piece of art that we see for her is from The Last Jedi. So that one is pretty predictable. But then you go to her second and third page, and we get to see young Amelin when she's like a rainbow pony. And it's so (laughs) cool. (laughs) And it's kind of how we imagined her in the Leia novel, like in a different color hair. I mean, she she has green hair, which is cool. Yeah. They, and she did have green hair at one point in the book. And then her shirt is almost, I imagine it's like a glittery sequin, like rainbow ombre top. <laughs> They're just like that. I want that shirt. Somebody sell that. Her universe. Make this. Yeah. And that book really that sold her. That would be awesome shirt. <laughs> that book really sold her as like this very whimsical character, um, which I kind of missed that that representation of her in, in the movie. I felt like they didn't really... We didn't get that that kind of version of her with the way she was represented in the movie, so it's kind of cool to kind of go back to this this younger version of her that was really fun to read. Yeah, and I I love that artwork. That's one of those things. Like if we were gonna if you were gonna collage this book, so you would take what's on the other side? Oh, you could because it's just text. You would take like an exacto knife and you would cut along the edge of the picture. And you wouldn't need the other part of the picture on the other page because it's a two it's a two page split. You could just cut that out and you could cut it down and like see collage. <laughs> I'm flipping back because I want to see I want to see the image. You want to see okay. what I'm talking about? So it's not quite full page. That's too bad. But I mean, you could even leave that Godspeed Rebels like quote as part yeah, of the so artwork. Yeah, cut that whole you cut that whole page out. See? Yeah. See? 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 <laughs> I'm getting way too many ideas. I'm trying to find the artist for this particular uh, character. So we're going to go into a few call-outs of some characters specifically, but I'm trying to find Yeah, that is artist. one thing I would say, the one criticism, one thing I wish they did differently, is I wish that they, on the page of the artwork, had either the artist's signature at the bottom or some sort of call-out to let you know which artist it was. Because they kind of have a key, like in the back, they have, a, you know, all of the artists listed and then they just have the page numbers that they contributed to. But mm-hmm. it, there's, it's like, unless you're really familiar with the artist style and know as soon as you see the image who did it, there's a lot of kind of flipping to the back, finding the page number, who did this, flipping back to the art, you know, it's not very readily apparent sometimes who the artist is. Yeah, and I don't know if I would have wanted it on the page with the artist or, like, with the artwork, but maybe just, like, at the bottom of the text for the book saying that the art for this was done by so I know the art of books, they do it kind of on the adjoining page, like, on the bottom. So it doesn't kind of – it doesn't cover the artwork, but you can still quickly see who the artist is. 
So I kind of wish maybe they did it that way in this book. Okay, so our first call out has to be an Ewok, of course. Uh, it's Nisa. And we've seen Nisa before in uh, animation, really, I guess is the only place. Uh, I mean, I have a stuffed plush of her, so I guess we've <laughs> seen her there too. But uh, I just want to, I want to read her page if it's okay, because it's short. But her artwork is stunning. It looks so real. Like, it looks like you could pet her. She's just so, like, fluffy. Uh, and the art was actually done by Jenny Parks. And Jenny Parks is a Colorado-based freelance illustrator and nerd with a degree in scientific illustration and a love for drawing animals. So it kind of fits perfect. She generally specializes in painting cats dressed as pop culture characters. So that's pretty cool. Uh, she's the author and illustrator of Star Trek Cats and Star Trek Cats The Next Generation. <laughs> That's pretty neat. But yeah, so she gets to do Nisa, and it's so awesome. And Nisa's like jumping on the top of these stormtroopers' helmets and stuff. It's pretty cool. But here's what uh, Amy had to say. Not all royalty in Star Wars wears elaborate headdresses in expansive palaces. Some princesses live in a forest and are covered in fur. An Ewok warrior of Endor, Princess Nisa, is the daughter of Chirpa, chief of Bright Tree Village. She's not the kind of royalty that likes to sit around and be pampered. She prefers action. Her adventurous streak means she had an animated childhood with pals like Wicket W. Warwick. And you love that line. Yeah, that's such a clever line. <laughs> yeah, because she is all animated. Childhood. Yes. When the Empire invades her forest moon home in Return of the Jedi, Nisa joins the Battle of Endor alongside members of her tribe. She plays a role in defeating the Imperials, helping rebel Kess Dameron, Poe Dameron's father, coordinate the tactics during the fight. She even assists Hera Syndulla and Chopper in taking down TIE fighters from the Ghost and Forces of Destiny. With her courage and leadership under pressure, Nisa proves herself ready to take on anything. Aw, Nisa. <laughs> I think Forces oh, cool. of Destiny um, canonized this character, if I'm not it mistaken, did. because she was, you know, obviously just part of the old Ewoks cartoon, uh, which was not canon, but, you know, obviously she's a fan favorite from that era. So it was cool to see her brought into the official canon through Forces of Destiny. Yes, I agree. And I think you're correct on that, actually. All right, so my next call out is for L3, and L3 has some amazing art. She also has one, two, three, four. She has four pages of text and art. And also, I would just like to say that, hey, what are you doing? Cat, stop. Uh, we always talk about like L3, or not L3, but droids don't have genders or personalities or whatever, but clearly L3 is a girl. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few droids, or I think maybe two droids that made the book, but she's she's yes. a strong, strong both. personality for sure. Yeah, and so I love the quote that they used for L3 when she tells, she says this to the other droids during the droid revolt. She says, don't just blindly follow the program, exercise a little free will. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, but I like that she talks about uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is the voice of L3 in Solo. She talks about that, and then she also talks about like how she was kind of made, and she goes into L3's activism and droid liberation <laughs> and all that stuff. She's one of my favorite parts of the Solo movie. Yeah, and I didn't realize she actually improvised that line yeah. um, of equal rights, equal when, rights when Lando asked if there's anything he could do for her. Well, she was like, do you need anything? Equal yeah. rights. Equal rights, yeah. I didn't realize that was a improvised line until I read this book, so that's pretty funny. Yeah. Why? Because you're my organic overlord. <laughs> <laughs> L3. Oh, my gosh. L3 and K2SO, I think, are two of the coolest things to happen to Star Wars in a really long time. Yeah, and they're recent additions as as far as droids go, and they both have really, although similar things, but also very unique personalities. And I, it'd be they'd be a fun one to have a team up. Oh yeah, I'd love to see that. It wouldn't be canon at all. But hey, they they I both exist in the same time period, so it could happen. Oh well, yeah, it could, it could. All right, so then the next. Oh, and uh, really quickly, let's see. Okay, so the art for L three. 
Uh, one of them is done by Annie Stoll, who I know. Uh, she did My Rebel Sketchbook with Dan Wallace, and she's done other things for Lucasfilm. And then, okay, and then the other uh, art, the full page art for L3 is by Geneva Bowers. She's a self-taught North Carolina-based illustrator who enjoys working with color and adding whimsy with a touch of realism. So, she did a good job. I like that art for L3. I like that a lot. All right, so the next one that I wanted to call out is R2... KT. And I know you were like, I can't believe she's in here. <laughs> Why is that, Aaron? Why? Oh, I don't know. I, I wasn't trying to be mean about it. I just thought that was funny um, that that this character got her own entry. Just because well, she hasn't really been in, the, in much. But I, I know there's more meaning behind what this character is. So, Well, there's a lot of meaning behind her, but she she's in the Clone Wars. So she is canonized. So mm -hmm. she does count. Uh, so I'm just going to read her page just because of who she is. Uh, R2KT is the droid with a heart of gold. So let's see. This is what Amy says. Among the many exceptional droids in the galaxy, R2KT is something special. The pink astromech was inspired by a real-life creation designed by the R2-D2 Builders Club. They constructed R2KT for Katie Johnson, a young girl diagnosed with terminal brain cancer who wished she had a droid to watch over her just as R2-D2 watches over Padme Amidala in Attack of the Clones. Since Katie loved the color pink, the builders made a special pastel astromech for her. R2-KT stayed by Katie's side through her last days. She joined the galaxy on screen in the animated feature Star Wars The Clone Wars as one of the droids serving the 501st Legion, fitting because Katie's father, Albin, is the founder of the 501st Legion fan group. After loyally serving the Republic and characters such as Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars, R2-KT continues to serve the galactic good as part of the Resistance and can be spotted in The Force Awakens, which is true. You can see her there. Uh, R2-KT actually meant a lot to me when I found out who she was and how she kind of came to be, so much so to the fact that I have an email address that has uh, R2-KT in the name. Uh, and even down to, I have her, both of her collectible action figures. There's one that was made for, uh, support of Katie Johnson. That's in a plastic bubble. Actually, both of them are in plastic bubbles and it's the astromech droid. And then Hot Wheels made a version of R2KT for Star Wars Celebration Anaheim in 2015. And I have that, uh, action figure as well. Nice. So, and then R2KT's art was done by Karen Hallian. Uh, she went to the Ringling School of Art and Design in Massachusetts, and she's done licensed work for her universe. Uh, Hank Green, DFTBA Games, Lucasfilm, Marvel, Cartoon Network, DreamWorks, Tops, Disney, and Disney Imagineering. And she was featured, one of the featured artists at uh, the 2015 and 2016 Star Wars Celebration art shows. One of the things so. I like about the artist page mm -hmm. is for the, for the most part, it's not everyone, but almost all of them did like a self-portrait as their image in their own yes. art style, um, which I thought was really cool. There's some exceptions. Obviously, Jenny Parks is not a cat, but... <laughs> Most <laughs> Maybe of them. that's how she feels she is. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she is a cat. I don't know. But But Karen it, Hallian, it looks like her art is Doctor Who. Her self portrait. Because it has the scarf. Oh yeah, Doctor Who. It, oh yeah, there's definitely and she's got a Death Star in there, so there's there's some references to a couple different fandoms here. But yeah, the scarf definitely looks like Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. The next call out we have is for Breha Organa. We have to talk about her just because. <laughs> so I love the art for her, by the way. It looks so cool. We see her in the film, but we don't see a lot of her. You know, right. so we really don't really see her. <laughs> I mean, the biggest, the biggest kind of um, story we get with her is the Leia Princess of Alderaan mm -hmm. novel where yes. we get to learn so much more about this character. And I, I like how Amy points out, you know, how, you know, Leia wouldn't have been raised by somebody who was just in the background or a timid person. And so I'm glad, no. you know, we got to learn in that novel 
uh, about how strong that Breha was and, you know, the different trials that she went through and she actually had like, um, I think like a heart defect or something that had to be, um, you know, there was like basically mechanical parts inside of her that were keeping her alive, which is all very interesting information to learn about a character that we had that we did not know much about at all. Yeah. And the other thing they point out too about that is that she doesn't hide those. So she actually, um, wears clothes and things like that so that her pulmonodes remain visible to show how valuable life is, which Amy points out in this book. I just Mm kind of read that out of there, but which they do talk about that. And I think that that is so important, you know, to have someone that is that strong of a role model. That's the only way you get a character like Leia. Right. And then the art for her... Okay, so the art for her is done by Jennifer Auburn Johnson, who Toronto-based game developer, comic artist, and illustrator. She's fascinated with portraying otherworldly landscapes and strives to promote diverse voices in speculative fiction. All right, so the next one we had to point out is Harris and Dula, just because she's a favorite for you and I. Yes, oh man, top five favorite Star Wars character for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And her artwork is amazing. And she has one, two, three, five, six pages devoted to her between art and text. And they really do go into her history. There's some amazing quotes from her. They talk about her and Kanan, which, of course, is amazing because Kanera. Uh, but they also talk about her in the like after Rebels is over and everything that she does there. But she has amazing quotes in here. Like, if all you do is fight for your own life, then your life is worth nothing. Another one they put in here is we have hope, hope that things can get better. And then they also feature one of my favorites. We won't always be fighting this battle alone. Uh, And the art in here is just gorgeous. And there's so many different styles too. So her full page art is on page 74. Uh, Little Corvus is an Eisner-nominated queer, non-binary, Latinx comic artist and illustrator based in Seattle. How cool. Uh, she Little Corvus's work has been featured both online and in print anthologies, and they love positive, diverse stories and the color pink, which is why, like, the... It's not... You can still see the green, but there's definitely pink in her... in Hera's, like, skin tone and the background and in her outfit, which is pretty cool. And then page 76, which I think is my favorite. That one is... That one's Jennifer Aberin Johnson. Ah, there we go again. So I'm really liking her art. This one is stunning, though. I mean, the way that she did her face and, like, the coloring and everything, really, really, really good. And then the last one is on page 79, which we've seen artwork of Hera in this position before, where she's piloting. Um, but not the specific image. And that one is done by? That one's done by Christina Chung. All right, we haven't talked about her yet. Let's see, she's a Taiwanese, Hong Konger, American illustrator currently based in Brooklyn. Let's see, through a line and pattern-based style, she creates illustrations that are intricate narrative and infused with symbolism. Her clients include the New York Times, Amazon Publishing, and Scientific American and NPR pretty cool all right let's move on to padme who of course i have to talk about uh because padme (laughs) and her book's coming up that's my reasoning that's my reasoning i mean she's (laughs) one of the biggest characters in all of star wars so you kind of have to talk about her (laughs) let's see she has one two three four five six seven eight pages she's got eight pages she also has a page devoted to her handmaidens by the way uh And, I mean, this goes into really in-depth stuff. I mean, not only the stuff we see in the films, but just about her overall, you know, creation, about Kat Tabor voicing her, all kinds of things. Um, And you see images that look like Natalie Portman and then some that don't, which I think is really, really cool. But she's got some amazing artwork as well. Um, The one of her as Padme is very... It reminds me of a Her Universe shirt (laughs) that came out uh, where she's in the first outfit we ever see her in, which is actually on page 146. And that art was done by Karen Hallian. So, again, 
art by that same artist, things that I naturally kind of, I, I'm starting to find out which of these artists I'm sort of gravitating towards. And then there's the art of her in the outfit where she says, like, this is how Liberty dies, I believe. Well, like, with thunderous applause. I think that's the outfit. Yeah, it looks right. Um, she's, in, she's kind of in the Senate chamber. Right. And that artwork is on page 148. And that is actually done by Geneva Bowers. And then the one that I like the most, though, is the one that's on page 151. And it's from Attack of the Clones when she's in the on Geonosis uh, and like in the battle arena. And that is on 151. And that is by. That's also by Jennifer Ab- Aberin Johnson. I think she's my favorite artist in this book. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good drawing. That's a. Yeah, it's it's that iconic scene, you know, where she's got a, she's kind of waiting. You know, the the boys are arguing back and forth as she's <laughs> rescuing herself. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, this one is just so impactful because it's when she's pregnant and she's like fallen on her knees and it's got the swirling sky behind her. Uh, this is on one fifty two, and this one is by. Where are you? That one is by Eli. Baumgartner. Ah, a Vienna-based freelance illustrator focusing on 2D sequential and illustrated art. Eli also illustrates covers and comics for clients and is co-creator of the webcomic Heart of Gold, together with Viv Tanner. How cool. Very neat. Very neat. All right, and the last one we want to talk about is Ray. Uh, so, although Kira's artwork is really, really good, by the way. Yeah, I, I mean, just it's, saw it as I was passing too, by. <laughs> like, if our if our podcast was three hours long, we could cover all of these characters because really there isn't a character here that you should skip. No, there's not. So Ray has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pages devoted to her, which is fitting, I believe. And I like her quote that says, "I think I can handle myself." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, her stuff—they talk about Daisy Ridley. They talk about all of Ray's background that we know, which of course, you know, there's going to be stuff that is not in here because Ray is not a complete character yet. Cause we still have uh, another movie to go, but my favorite art for her is the last one. So we'll get there. But the first artwork for her is on 175, which is by that one's by Elsa Charretier. Ooh, very nice. French illustrator. French il- French illustrator and comic book artist after debuting um, on COWL at Image Comics, Elsa co-created The Infinite Loop with writer Purik Kolonet at IDW, and I do love some IDW. She has since worked at DC Comics to do Harley Quinn, Starfire, some others, Marvel Comics for The Unstoppable Wasp and Random House. Uh, she did Windhaven, which is written by George R.R. R. Martin, and she's written The Infinite Loop Volume 2 as well as super freaks oh and she's a regular artist on star wars adventures yes she's done a lot of the stories that we've covered yeah (laughs) looks familiar and then the second page of art which i really like this one it's not my favorite out of all of them but this one is on page 176 and this one is by that's a christina chung again okay christina chung nice nice i like the 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 highlights and the shadows and the blues used for this one and then the third piece of art is from the last jedi and it's actually showing like the scene where kylo and ray have themselves back to back and they're fighting off the um, praetorian guards and it's page 179 and it's by annie Wu. Oh, I do like Annie Wu. Annie Wu's art. She's an American illustrator currently based in Chicago. She's a creator of the upcoming image comic series Dead Guy Fan Club. Um, So I do like Annie Wu. I've seen her art before. And then my favorite piece of art for Ray is actually on page 180. And it's from The Last Jedi where she's raising the rocks to, like, move them out of the way to save Poe and all and Leia and everybody. And that one is um done by That one's also done by Geneva, Geneva Bowers. Ba- Geneva Bowers. Yep. And I really like that one. I like the colors in that one. Yeah, as it's well. got a very pastel look to it. But there's a lot of authors that we didn't talk about in here. Amy Beth Christensen did art in here and she's obviously amazing. Um she's been working for Lucasfilm for 
quite a while, um, for about 18 years. Uh, so she has stuff in here. Uh, and there's several other artists that we didn't talk about just because we didn't pull up their particular characters. Uh, so you need to check this book out. I think there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty. There's 18 separate artists in here. Yep. Um, 18 artists, did, 75 characters. Yes. This is a must. I, I would say this is kind of a must have, especially if you like these type of books that are, you know, more reference based and art based. This is a, this is one you definitely want to have on your bookshelf. It's, it's been a favorite for me. Absolutely. And then also as a companion piece, um, I meant to talk about this earlier, but I kind of, um, we just got started with the book and, you know, forgot about it. Mm -hmm. They also released, Chronicle Books released a notebook collection. It's three uh, lined notebooks. So you could use these to take notes in for school. Uh, you could give these to, you know, anybody in your life really, but you could, like I said, I would take notes. If I was in high school still, I would use these as my notebooks to take notes. Uh, or they can just be, you know, something that you stick in your purse and you carry around with you or whatever, but it's Star Wars Women of the Galaxy. It's a notebook collection. You get three uh, line notebooks. One of them is Leia and it has three separate art pieces and it's the art from the books and so you get one on the front cover one on the inside cover and then a separate art piece on the back cover and they are lined and also at the bottom of the pages of not all the pages but of some of them are quotes from the characters so from the leia one uh there's quotes like you're not actually going into an asteroid field would be one of them and then one uh one of the other ones i saw was i changed my hair uh, the second one is Ahsoka and the artwork on the front is just amazing. And then again, you have separate artwork on the back and on the inside cover. And then they do the same thing where there's quotes at the bottom. Uh, this one is cool. I am picking this one because on one page it says Anakin race you to the top. And Ahsoka says, I'll give you a head start. <laughs> That's cute. And then the third one is Ray and you get all three, um, well, three of the four pieces of art for Ray, and then same thing. There are quotes at the bottom of some of the pages, and I'm trying to find because there's not a ton in this one. Let's see. Okay, Luke, he says, "And inside you," and Ray says, "Inside me, that same force." So very cool. And so you get all three of them for twelve ninety five. Um, and it's just, they don't say how many pages are in here, but these are definitely a really good companion piece. I would definitely get these for someone, uh, that, you know, that loves Star Wars. Great gift idea. If you forgot to Great get them a Christmas gift. gift. <laughs> and also it might very well be possible that we have a set of these to give away. To give away it's, in some form. Stay tuned. In some form. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And our next episode that will be coming up will be our interview with Amy where we'll really get to talk to her about how this book all came together and what it meant to her. So we'll be looking for that in a few weeks. Yes. And until then, you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars or at SW Bookworms. You can shoot us an email, starwarsbookworms at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Star Wars Bookworms. And you can uh, check out our group on Facebook as well. Yeah, and make sure that you answer the questions because we won't let you in until you actually answer those three like kind of screening questions. So please make sure you answer those. You can find us on iTunes or any of the places that you listen to podcasts. Uh, just leave us a review. We would love that. Five-star reviews are always super, super helpful. I am at Ice Cold Penguin on Instagram and Twitter, and Aaron is at A.V. Goins. So until next time. Keep on reading, and may the Force be with you. <laughs>